You're listening to NFL No Huddle, the podcast with Brian Weber. It's a talk show. We talk. And former Pro Bowl Steelers quarterback Cordell Slash Stewart. Hey, get your popcorn ready. NFL No Huddle airs live weekdays from 4 p.m. to 7 p.m. Eastern on the NFL on TuneIn, your everything audio app. Hello and welcome to NFL No Huddle, the podcast. I'm Brian Weber alongside Nick Ferguson, the former NFL safety. On today's podcast, we're going to take you around the league with Ian Rappaport of NFL Network and Cordell Stewart. Spotlight the Saints with Christian Garrick of the Saints Radio Network and provide your playing with science checkdown. But let's kick off the podcast with Peter King of the MMQB. Now, it's time for 2010 National Sports Writer of the Year, Peter King from MMQB on the NFL on TuneIn. Peter, happy holidays. We appreciate you taking the time. Let's start with the Rams after another tremendous game that allowed the team from Southern California to clinch their first division title since 2003. Where do you put Todd Gurley in the MVP conversation? I think now he's he's sort of forced his way into the discussion right now, and I think it's him and Tom Brady going into Week 17. Now, you're going to – I think a lot of people will look at the MVP race and they'll basically say, oh, you got to give it to Gurley because – you know, he's been the single best player on the most surprising team. But I'll just say two things. I mean, first of all, Jared Goff has been incredible this year. Without Jared Goff, the Rams wouldn't be the champions of the NFC West. And again, look, I know this isn't a popular view, but if you asked right now, if you asked um, anybody with the Rams, if you asked Sean McVay, you ask Les Need, the GM, you just say, hey, listen, one of these guys is going to be missing for the playoffs. Jared Goff or Todd Gurley, which one do you think you'd have the best chance to win games without? You know, I'm, I'm asking that question badly. But, you know, if you had to sacrifice one of these guys, which one would give you the best chance uh, to win if you had them on the field? And in my opinion, that's almost always going to be the quarterback. And I know people don't want to hear that, but I I just think the quarterback almost invariably is a more valuable player than a running back. Peter, Peter, earlier this week, we heard Jeff Fisher uh, mention the fact that, hey, listen, Sean McVay and the Rams, kudos, great job. But you are having that level of success with the players I put in place. Is this Jeff Fisher's last attempt to try to make some noise for himself as he is seeking another job employment as head coach in the NFL? Well, Jeff Fisher wants a head coaching job. He's got guys on his staff uh, who are on his staff who would like to reunite with Jeff and take one more stab at it. I just don't see it happening. It's going to be hard. Nick, I, over the years, one general manager a long time ago when I was asking about a retread coach, is there any way you would hire this guy? He said, hey, listen, one of the hardest things when you hire a coach who's not going to be popular is that you're going to lose the press conference. And he means when you announce this new coach that the fans and the local media are going to be very skeptical. Like if, you, if, you, if you're the Chicago Bears right now and you announce Jeff Fisher – as the coach to succeed John Fox. I'm just asking, I just asked this question. Would the Chicago Bears fans be excited? Would they be happy? How would they feel about it? In my opinion, they would be ticked off. I mean, you've got to give people hope 
And again, I think Jeff Fisher is a good football coach, but the fact is his last seven years as a head coach, he has not had a winning season. You blame whatever you want, but it's going to be hard to stand Jeff Fisher up in front of a, a group of people and say, this is our guy. Uh, and fair or unfair, it, it doesn't matter. It's just simply a fact of life. If you have seven consecutive non-winning seasons in the NFL and a team puts you out, here's our guy. Have faith in us. It's going to be hard to have faith in that decision. Especially given Fisher being tied with Dan Reeves for the most losses in the history of the NFL among head coaches. Taking you around the league with Peter King, MMQB. Peter, we saw your terrific interview with Deshaun Watson last night, football night in America on NBC. What did you take away from that conversation? It was amazing uh, to be with Watson and his family a week ago, both in Houston and in Gainesville, uh, uh, Georgia. Here's the thing. I, I firmly believe this that, uh, you know, we look at young kids today and a lot of people see young kids who are set adrift and you think, well, this guy doesn't have much of a chance to amount to anything. You look at eight or nine-year-old Deshaun Watson in the environment where he was and you look at all of the total strangers who helped Deshaun Watson. You look at Warwick Dunn, you looked at people who build his family a home for Habitat for Humanity. You look at all these people who he didn't know, people throughout high school and college, and obviously they knew him in college, but you look at all that and you say, listen, this is a great story of hope. Deshaun Watson is going to pay it back. He's already started to pay it back, but he's going to pay it back for the rest of his career, and I think it's an incredibly encouraging Christmas story when you look at a guy who had the breaks that he had from total strangers, and he took advantage of it every step of the way. Peter, last one for me. You know, we just watched the San Francisco 49ers defeat the Jacksonville Jaguars. They're they're amazing, Nick. Yeah, by by, by 10 10 points. And since Garoppolo has been inserted into the offense, they're on a four-game winning streak. So the biggest question is, do you put the franchise tag on Jimmy Garoppolo, or do you go ahead and give him a long-term contract? Well, you try to sign him. John Lynch is a smart guy, and they got a jillion dollars of cap room. The only problem that I see, Nick, uh, is that if I'm the agent for Garoppolo, if you want to sign my guy long-term, you're going to have to pay him in the 20s at least. Uh, Obviously, somewhere in the 20s annually to get it done with a huge guarantee. Are you going to want to do that after a guy has made five starts for your team? You're probably not going to want to do that. I think the most common-sense approach is to franchise him, uh, and and obviously if some team out there is going to give him an insane offer, um, which, hey, I can tell you this right now. Jimmy Garoppolo does not want to leave San Francisco. Even if Cleveland gives him an insane offer, in my opinion, A, I don't think he, he doesn't want to go to Cleveland. B, uh, he, uh, he would tell his agent, you know, I'm not doing a deal if I don't like where I'm going. So... If you know that the 49ers are going to match that offer, Nick, then you know you let them make the offer. But in my opinion, this is probably headed toward a franchise tag and Garoppolo playing 2018 at whatever the number is, 24 or 25 million. Peter, great information as always. Hope you and your family enjoy the rest of the holiday weekend. Look forward to chatting with you again Tuesday on NFL No Huddle.
All the best. Thanks a lot, guys. You're listening to NFL No Huddle, the podcast, and we'll be right back with more after this. Listen to Tune In on your time with Tune In On Demand. Jumping on a flight or planning a long road trip? Download episodes of your favorite podcasts or audiobooks. And enjoy hours of great audio content no matter where you are. When you're ready to escape, head to your favorites, hit play, and listen. With or without a Wi-Fi connection. Featuring top podcasts and audiobooks in every genre, save your data with TuneIn On Demand. Download your favorites today. Welcome back to NFL No Huddle, the podcast. Here are your hosts, Brian Weber and Cordell Stewart. This is NFL No Huddle, the podcast. Now let's focus on today's top headlines with Ian Rappaport of NFL Network. Now, it's time for NFL Network reporter Ian Rappaport. It's the rap sheet on the NFL on TuneIn. Ian, as always, we appreciate you taking the time. The Lions lost on the road in Cincinnati. Detroit will not be going to the playoffs. How much job security do you think Lion head coach Jim Caldwell has? Well, I think it's pretty safe to say that the job security for Jim Caldwell is tenuous. And it's definitely in limbo right now, and you know my understanding is, you know, I know everyone talked about the multi-year extension he got before the season. It was really just a one-year deal with a team option. In other words, putting him under contract for 2018, and that's really it. And you know, the fact that they're not going to make the playoffs, the fact that they probably underachieved relative to their talent level, really puts him in the crosshairs of a, a potential change. Remember, it's a second-year general manager in Bob Quinn who has not hired his own coach yet. Had a couple opportunities to get rid of Caldwell. Stuck with him through a lot of different questions and, you know, in the end decided to keep him. And, and, you know, now, just based on the record and the way the season season went, certainly possible that he decides to make a change. Ian, last week we saw in the game with the New England Patriots and the Pittsburgh Steelers a lot of controversies around the Jesse James uh, catch or no catch. Today we saw Tariq Hill, Kevin Benjamin. One was ruled a catch, one wasn't. And former vice president of officiating Mike Pereira uh, even took to Twitter to uh, let his frustrations be known. How can the league make this rule more definitive? Well, uh, that's a challenge that's really vexed the league for the last several off-seasons. I know they're going to take a look at the challenge rule again. I know they did it last year, and, and it wasn't just bringing in you know team officials and coaches. They brought in great ride receivers, some of the greats of all time, to try to figure this out, and they couldn't really do it either. Um, you know, the only thing that I could see happening is for the NFL to place more of an emphasis on the ruling on the field. And, you know, this was the case a couple years back. It seems they've kind of gone away from that, um, you, you know, because a lot of times what this is is it's not is the rule right or not. It's does it screw with our expectations of the rule. So if you watch something, you think it's a catch, and all of a sudden some guy in an office in New York overrules it, everyone gets upset. Um, so I wouldn't be surprised to see him just go back to kind of sticking with sticking, you know, with what with the call on the field uh, and kind of moving on from there. But otherwise, you know, the, the better replay gets, the better technology gets, the harder it is uh, to figure out what it catches or not. Taking you around the league with Ian Rappaport of NFL Network. Ian, is there a growing sense that John Gruden may actually depart the broadcast booth this year and return to coaching? Yes. Yes, there is. And every year we do this, right? Every year we talk about the groomers, which is the Gruden rumors, and they're fun, and I love throwing them around. Uh, You know, I had a source close to him tell me today, this feels different. It feels different from the past years. You know, there'd be some flirtation and, 
you know, then he wouldn't take a job or he wouldn't interview, and then all of a sudden he'd get a new deal at ESPN. This feels different. And, you know, the possibility of taking Dirk Cutter's job with the Bucks, you know, his old team still has a lot of ties there. Doesn't even need to buy a house because he still has a house there. Um, there's a lot to like about this, and the Bucks always swing big. Hard to imagine a bigger coaching fish than John Gruden would immediately make them one of the number one stories in football. Uh, so, yeah, I think it's possible. And with two minutes remaining, and it's what was a tight game between the Los Angeles Rams and the Tennessee Titans who were fighting for their playoff lives, uh, we watched uh, DeMarco Murray take a shot to his low extremity. What more do you know about his injury? At this point, it seems to be a sprained knee. Uh, a lot of times you get hit like he did. It's, it's either an MCL or an LCL, uh, but it is a sprain. You know, at this point, it's uh, uh, it's the kind of thing where they only got one week left. So any type of injury, you know, immediately puts his status in doubt, and that's kind of where it is. I mean, it's, you know, they're very much looking at the possibility of needing to win next week, needing help, and not having one of their best runners out there. Uh, and then, you know, you start to figure out, well, let's say he's not out there. What is his future? He's got a big price tag next year. Obviously, they've gone younger at running back. Might have seen the end of DeMarco Murray in Tennessee. Ian Rappaport, NFL Network, is our guest on the NFL on TuneIn. Ian, now that James Harrison has been released, do you expect a contending team to pick him up, or perhaps he could be re-signed by the Steelers? Uh, well, I, I could see both. Well, I shouldn't say I could see both happening, but I could see either scenario. Uh, I will be very curious to watch New England tomorrow at 4 o'clock. You know, they love pass rushers. They need them. They need front seven help, and man, could you imagine how great it would be for the Patriots to get James Harrison and rub it in the Steelers' noses in the AFC title game if he gets a sack or something. I mean, it would just, it would be ultimate Patriots trolling. Um, So yes, I think that is possible. If he doesn't get claimed, I would expect him back with the Steelers. Uh, I believe they waived him because they thought he had the best chance of clearing waivers when they put Marcus Gilbert on the uh, active roster. You know, the Buffalo Bills have, have seen their ups and downs this season, but we watch as uh, Travis Cadet uh, was carted off on the field in the game against the New England Patriots. Uh, have you received any other information as far as what his status and is? Will he likely return in next week's game? Doesn't sound like he's going to return for next week's game. Dislocated ankle is the word that I got. Still waiting on some tests, but, you know, that's a lot of time. That's often one where uh, you sort of you sort of know what it is. Um, so one week left in the season, you know, he's bounced around a lot, but, but seems to have found a home and now going to, going to likely be out for the season and potentially uh, facing ankle surgery. Thank you. And happy holidays. We'll chat with you Wednesday on NFL, no huddle. All right. Look forward to it. Thanks guys. You're listening to NFL, no huddle, the podcast. We'll be right back after this. The 11th hour with Brian Williams. Tomorrow's headlines before they go to print. I've just been handed some great reporting. Tomorrow's questions before anyone's asked them. Could you make an obstruction case? Tomorrow's conversation tonight. Who is there to stand up to the boss and speak truth to power? Not a single person. The 11th Hour with Brian Williams. More than the day that was, it's the day that will be. Weeknights at 11 Eastern on MSNBC. This is NFL No Huddle, the podcast. Here are your hosts, Brian Weber and Cordell Stewart. Welcome back to NFL No Huddle, the podcast, spotlighting New Orleans with Christian Garrick of the Saints Radio Network. 
Christian, as always, we appreciate the time. You have a great vantage point on the field. What stood out to you in this comprehensive Saints victory? Well, I think it has to it has to be the defense. I mean, down two two starters that they lost this week, and also really a handful that they've lost all year long. Um, you know, Alex Okafor, Kenny Vaccaro, AJ Klein, and a few others that Nick Fairley, if you want to throw that into the mix. Um, but I think it has to be the defense, in particular, uh, turning the ball over. Um, you know, there was a there was the butt fumble in in New York with the Jets. Now is the butt interception with Marshawn Lattimore uh, today uh, of, of Matt Ryan. So it was, a, it was a really good game for that Saints defense. That I think stopped a, a really good uh, offense for the Atlanta Falcons. Chris and Nick Ferguson here. When this team start out at the beginning of the season, they start out zero and two. When you look at this schedule, you say, "Well, uh, who are the marquee victories on this schedule?" I mean, they lost to the Rams, and they're now looking forward to uh, the postseason. From what you've seen thus far, does this seem like a team that not only could just make some noise in the playoffs, but eventually get to Minnesota? Yeah, I don't know. I'm not ready to uh, say Minnesota just because I think there's some deficiencies they have, ironically, on offense. That uh, you know, I think that the Vikings are, are the best team in the conference, and obviously the Eagles uh, before they lost uh, Carson Wentz. I don't think they match up necessarily well with. Uh, Los Angeles, but you never know in the playoffs. Drew Brees, you got him as your X factor, but um, I mean they, they've got some marquee wins. They've beaten the Carolina Panthers twice. Ironically, that's who they could face in Wild Card Weekend if the playoffs shake out the way it's the way it's currently uh, kind of scheduled with the Saints being the four seed and the Panthers being the five seed. But I mean, it, what they lack is the ability to uh, get get down the field vertically down the seams through a tight end. They don't have any real tight end play, and I think that's where. Uh, the Saints are eventually on offense are going are, are gonna to have their undoing because they can't convert enough on third down or as well as they've, they've done in the past. They've been so prolific converting on third down uh, because of tight end play, and they don't have that element to their offense. Uh, I know Alvin Kamara is electric. Mark Ingram is running the ball real well. Mike Thomas is Mike Thomas, but they don't have uh, a lot of compliments outside of Mike Thomas on the perimeter as a receiver. Uh, they're featuring a lot of the running backs in the passing game and Alvin Kamara and and Mark Ingram. So, uh, you know, I, I think that they can they can do some things. I'm never going to count number nine out just because uh, of who he is, but I just think that they have some deficiencies on offense, certainly. Chatting with Christian Garrick, sideline analyst, Saints Radio Network. Christian, as you were getting ready for this season, take us back to training camp. When you were chatting with folks connected with the team, how long did it take them to realize they had something special in Alvin Kamara heading into his rookie year? Uh, on draft day, honestly, I mean, Here's here's how I looked at it. Uh, I said it on draft day, when draft night, when they made it, the deal to go to go get him in the third round. Um, I, I said that he was going to be the rookie of this class that had the, the the biggest impact right away, just because of who was calling the plays and who was getting the ball to him, uh, and Drew Brees. So um, you know, I, I think a lot of people felt like early on that you knew you had some special things from from Alvin Kamara, but I don't think anybody could have predicted this. And really, it's not just his ability, but his ability coupled with uh, Mark Ingram and, and that tandem that, that allowed them to trade ultimately Adrian Peterson is going to be a Hall of Famer. So, um, I, you know, I think that that, that tandem is, is one of the best in the league. And down here, they're they're known as Boom and Zoom. And you know, you I mean, excuse me, Christian, you just mentioned the fact that uh, the New Orleans Saints really didn't have a vertical threat from the tight end standpoint. But we saw Ted Ginn Jr. pretty much get involved with the offense today, four receptions. 76 yards and a touchdown. Could Sean Payton utilize him in that role out of the slot? Because we know that he's a burner, and we've seen him with previous teams that he's been with. 
can, can now he make up for the lack of ability and production from the tight end standpoint? I guess he could. And, and look, Ted Ginn Jr., I think he's having the best, years, uh, best year of his career uh, down here in New Orleans in terms of the drops. You know, in Carolina, in Miami, he had some drop issues uh, earlier in his career. He's been pretty steady. Target him a lot. They just don't. Um, I don't know if that's game plan oriented. I don't know if it'll change because of the, the, the lack of tight ends in the offense, but I guess it could be. Um, now, he's always been, even this year, been that vertical threat on deep post patterns. The Saints love the, you know, that, that deep post pattern off the play action, and they'll, they'll still try to get him the ball that way. But as far as straight up the field, on the, in the seam, from a tight end, they just don't have that threat. And I think that, that ultimately uh, is going to be problematic for them. Christian, as always, we appreciate the information. Congratulations on the Saints earning a trip to the postseason. Indeed. Thank you. You guys have a Merry Christmas. You're listening to NFL No Huddle, the podcast, and we'll be right back with more after this. Hey, guys, you're listening to Dumb People Town on TuneIn. And since we're new here, we thought we'd tell you a little bit about our show. We have dumb ears on the ground. Our fans send in stories that have happened, real stories that have happened, and along with our co-host, We Dan, try to break down that material with Dan Van Dan Kirk. Van Kirk, our co-host, breaks it down, and then us and a guest, we and a guest break it all down, and we try and make it funny for you. It is a fast hour and you will enjoy it. It's a riff silly. You can hear episodes of our show uh, a full week early right here on TuneIn. Welcome back to NFL No Huddle, the podcast. Here are your hosts, Brian Weber and Cordell Stewart. We're back on NFL No Huddle, the podcast with Cordell Stewart's takeaways from Sunday's action. Cordell, let's start with this game for the Jaguars. What's the more troubling development in this game? Blake Bortles played like the old Blake Bortles, three interceptions, or this tough defense was carved up by Jimmy Garoppolo? I would say the defense is carved up by Jimmy Garoppolo because Blake Bortles has been able to play that way all year long, and they won spite of him. But because the defense was so good, uh, you end up seeing the team actually end up winning. And I think today, with Jimmy Garoppolo being able to lead the charge and, and get the ball to many receivers on this roster I mean, it was pretty darn good, like Trent Taylor. I mean, you saw him catch a couple balls and catch a touchdown and had some great stories about him. Uh, to also Goodwin and being able to be a part of catching the football out of the, uh, from the wide receiver position and having Carlos Hyde. I mean, it's just an all-around game, I thought, by Kyle Shanahan to put his quarterback in position to expose this defense that's been known to create turnovers, but most importantly, being able to take them back to the house. But they were playing some good football but I just think sometimes in games like this where you have an offense on the opposing team that's able to, to control drives and get points, those interceptions by Blake Bortles become even more penalizing when it comes down to being able to get the football back and do something good. So they just ran into a juggernaut, and I think, and, and as I tell you all the time, the mastermind in Jed York and what he's accomplishing over there with not just the GM, not just the head coach, but they end up taking – Jimmy Garoppolo in the midnight hour, and this team has gone 4-0 ever since he's became the quarterback for the San Francisco 49ers. All right, Cordell. Uh, Tom Brady and the Patriots uh, edge out a win today against Buffalo. Now, we've watched Tom throw some sensational passes, but we've also watched him throw some error throws, ending up in the wrong hand in the wrong uniform. When you look at you know Brady and his struggles as of late, what do you say when you're watching a game that could be the cause for why we've seen so many mistakes by Tom Brady uh, in the back half of the season? 
Well, mainly you look within a division. It's always tough to play against the Miami Dolphins. You know the record before the game they played a few weeks ago. The record was he was seven and nine over his career traveling down to Miami and then playing against Buffalo. You always end up finding out that it's always a tough game playing against Buffalo. Buffalo was in that game uh, when playing against them, uh, but I think that's what you really get um, out of a team uh, that has to travel on the road and play against some of the better teams playing against the Steelers all the way to the bitter end to where it became a decision made, uh, whether it be an incomplete pass or a catch by some, but based on the rules, and it's an incomplete pass, which I think alluded to um, them actually having a chance to win it. But it's a part of the game, and they're going to get teams best shot. You know, and if they're not on point, if you're losing Jimmy Garoppolo, if the defense is not playing good, holding up their end of the bargain, getting gashed to the offense, not being able to protect the way they should, and, and not being able to convert like they normally do, uh, I think you have to sum it up to say this. Even though it's not as pretty as we want to make it, or sometimes make it, excuse me, what's the end result? And the end result is they play well enough to win football games, and sometimes when you have your team that's been known to be really good uh, more times than not and you find yourself struggling, if you can squeak out wins, that gives you opportunities to when the postseason comes to play at home at Gillette Stadium in Foxborough, their chances of being successful are extremely high because they very rarely lose at home. So I think right now with New England, it's not too much you can say bad about them because they always find ways to make it work, regardless of how ugly it's been looking as of lately. But that's a football team when playing against them, excuse me, that you have to be prepared to play for 60 minutes. And that's what Buffalo could not do. Because I honestly will tell you this. I thought this game was going to be much closer in the end than what it was, but for obvious reasons, because the team is better. And I think schematically on the defensive side of the football, uh, even though I thought that catch, it was a catch. I know. I thought it was a catch too, Cordell. We don't know what a catch is anymore. And Kelvin Benjamin had the points taken off the board when it appeared he had both feet down, taking you around the league with our good friend Cordell Stewart, my co-host for NFL No Huddle. We're off tomorrow because of the Christmas doubleheader. So join us on Tuesday and then the rest of the week. We come your way weekdays for Eastern. Kansas City beat Miami. Chiefs clinched the division championship, and watching them closely, the offense has looked different over the course of the last few weeks since Andy Reid gave up the play-calling duty. So knowing that the Chiefs are going to host a playoff game, do you think this team could make an impact when we get to the postseason? Yeah, that's that's going to be pretty interesting to see uh, and try to figure out because they'll probably end up hosting their first game at home and then having to travel in a divisional game. Uh, but, you know, I think they get past week one, uh, honestly. Uh, they may ha- end up having to play somebody like the Jacksonville Jaguars. I haven't seen it. Don't hold me to this one. Uh, I think they have a chance because they have all the pieces in place. The team is somewhat healthy. It's just going to be the decision-making and, and how fast can they get started because we've seen them start off slower and not be able to finish strong enough, but yet they find ways to get games uh, on their side for as wins are concerned because they struggled against playing against the Miami Dolphins over, over the career um, over some time. But I think they'll be fine, honestly, but they won't make it. They won't make it to the conference championship game for sure. I think they've struggled too much and have too many deficiencies out there on tape uh, that have cost them uh, to make it work, uh, make it not work. And defensively, they haven't created enough turnovers. They're not making the big plays when you need them to make the big plays. And I think that's somewhat has been the Achilles heel to some of their success as of late, which is they hadn't been able to create those turnovers and taking them back to the house uh, for whatever reason that is. So, you know, they seem like they have to heavy, rely heavily 
on this offense, Trevor, Trevor Kelsey, Travis Kelsey, excuse me, uh, along with Hill and along with Hunt, you know, you have to find, and Alex Smith even. So I just think it's one of those cases where Kansas City, they're a good football team, uh, but I think their, their, their dreams and aspirations after winning a wild card game, I think ends after that. Cordell, no, no postseason hopes for your former coach Bruce Aarons and the Cardinals. They're seven and eight, but they knocked off the Giants twenty-three to nothing. But more impressively, Larry Fitzgerald, uh, even in his twilight hour of his career, continues to make play after play. You know, nine reception, one hundred nineteen yards, one touchdown. We've even saw him throw a pass in his game as well. What would you rank him uh, amongst all-time leading receivers in the NFL? When you look at his tenure and the things that he's done with the Arizona Cardinals, how many quarterbacks has he gone through? He's gone through Jeff Blake. He's gone through Kurt Warner. He's gone through Carson Palmer. Now he has Blaine Gabbert. I mean, this is, this is a man that has a multitude of lives and, and being able to play similar to Tim Brown with a multitude of, of quarterbacks, whether it's through injuries or just change and changing up gods. He actually had a chance to play with Anquan Bolden way back when at the very beginning of his career. And, and I think he's done nothing but sustain his style of play throughout his entire time, whether playing on the outside uh, because he was capable because of his speed and, and, and being able to have the one-on-one matchups and play against their number one cornerbacks to now moving into the slot position and becoming even more reliable in there and creating matchup problems with linebackers and some nickel and dimes who are much smaller DBs. Uh, than the other guys are. So it's one of those cases for me with Larry Fitzgerald where, you know, he's somewhat the GOAT, in my opinion, uh, when it comes to this day's receiver in a sense of his long tenure, the things that he's accomplished. The only thing that he didn't get on his his side is a championship, but he's a first ballot Hall of Famer. If you rank him amongst the top, uh, of course you have, I think Jerry Rice deserves the respect to be that because he was the first to go out and do it the way he did. Then you kind of fight between T.O. and Randy Moss. I think you have Isaac Bruce that you can throw in there, but his tenure was a little short. But yet the way he did it was second to none. Uh, and, and, and I think Fitzgerald probably land, I think, in the top five, to be honest with you, because the things he did was second to none to anyone. And he very rarely was hurt. He was most dependable. But last but not least, when it came down to making the plays that he needed to make, he made them on a consistent basis, regardless of how bad the team was. He was always the standout. Taking you around the league with Cordell Stewart. Cordell, Seattle defeated Dallas 21-12. to That means the Cowboys will not be going to the playoffs a year removed from winning the division championship. Jason Garrett is presumably safe as the head coach of the Cowboys. Do you think we could see other changes? You've been critical on our show of Rod Marinelli, the defensive coordinator of the Cowboys. As well as, as, well as Lanahan on offense. And this is why I say this is if you watch the game like the Rams, uh, you watch their receivers, even the New England Patriots and their receivers, those guys create separation. Des Bryant is not a number one anymore. And for whatever reason, they're still trying to address his, his position or his spot on the field as if he's the, a number one receiver. They don't create separation. Uh, they don't create those gaps and spaces whether it's based on their, their creativity of their routes. I mean, they're not even running good routes. Everything just looks bland. There's nothing that, that looks exciting or exuberant. I mean, think about the routes we saw today. What do we get? Dez Bryant on a crossing route. What do we get? Terrence Williams on a crossing route. What do we get? Cole Beasley on a crossing route. What do we get? Jason uh, 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 Witten crossing route. I mean, there's all crossing routes. No dig routes, no post routes, no double moves, no slant goals. 
I mean, everything is just generic and as basic as it comes. And, I mean, when you have your quarterback who stands there like he's a stop sign in the pocket and not trying to create plays with his feet by moving forward to the soft spot, and then the defense giving up what they're giving up, it was just a horrible performance by this Dallas Cowboys football team when having Ezekiel Elliott back, which everyone anticipated it being a game that was going to be a little bit better than what it ended up being, like not necessarily thinking that you have the greatest numbers in the world, which I thought he could have gotten 100 yards, but he ended up not getting it. And for whatever reason, Marinelli, in my opinion, uh, Lanahan, Scott Lanahan, he comes up and he calls plays, and before you know it, they're, they're going through this, this long shot of passes as opposed to just sticking to running the football and being stubborn with that approach. And for, res- for whatever reason, it just didn't even look like the Dallas Cowboys today. Even with Ezekiel Elliott, it looked totally different than what they've been doing over the last couple of weeks. So um, you look at teams like the Rams and see what Cooper Cup is doing. You see what uh, Sammy Watkins, you see Todd Gurley. I mean, these guys are in rhythm. These guys are in motion. There's nothing lacking in what they have and what they're capable of doing when it comes down to how they're playing as an example of what should be taking place with a team like Dallas, understanding they have to win these two games, but because they lost this one, um, they're one and done. I don't, they're not going to have a chance, but New Orleans took care of Atlanta. I mean, everything was set up for Dallas today. Think about it. Detroit loses. Green Bay loses. Atlanta loses. Seattle won, but yet you still had Dallas, who was right there on the cutting edge of having a chance that they just took care of their business. They didn't take advantage of that opportunity, and that's why they'll be home with us. Matter of fact, we'll be working, Brian, yourself and I, on our show, No Huddle. But they'll be at home watching and listening to us doing all the coverage of everything that's going in the National Football League, especially in the postseason. Cordell, you know, Ryan Tannehill goes down for the Miami Dolphins, and head coach Adam Gates goes back to a familiar face in Jay Cutler. From what you've seen from Jay Cutler this season, I know he only signed that one-year uh, $10 million deal in Miami, have you seen enough for Adam Gase to maybe consider, well, maybe we'll bring Jay Cutler back for a second year or decide, you know what, we've seen what we've seen. We'll stick with Ryan Tannehill and Matt Moore. If he wants his job, Jay Cutler won't be on that roster. If he wants to get fired, <laughs> keep Jay Cutler on the roster. I mean, I'm just saying because what you have is, I think you have players like the Kirk Cousins of the world that may be uh, available. You may have Case Keenum. He may be available. You have Ryan Tannehill right there, that you just get him healthy, get him back on the football field. If he's not your guy, but yet you want to go with Jay Cutler and give him another one of those uh, one-year, $10 million deals, or you give him the franchise tag and, and be a and be a, 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 a airhead and do that, he doesn't want his job. Jay Cutler's not going to get you a championship. Jay Cutler's not going to get you in the postseason. Jay Cutler won't give you a chance to win a division, even though they did beat. New England down in that down in Miami, but that record and that tough time of playing down there in Miami for New England was happening before Jay Cutler even came on the scene. So um, I don't think Jay Cutler will be back. I, I think you know, and he won't be back in the Fox booth either. Matter of fact, Charles Davis is doing a phenomenal job. They, just so everybody's listening, they don't need him. He's been in this area by himself, please. He's doing a phenomenal job. Matter of fact, his suit is second to none, and he gives you analogies and creates things to give you visuals to allow you to see the game as if you're out there playing it. So Jake Cutler cannot do that. He can't do it. Uh, 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 let him figure out if he wants to play more football. But, yeah, again, if, if Fox brings him in, if, 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 if Miami brings him back, ratings going to go down. Somebody's going to get fired in Miami if they bring Jay Cutler. Every way he goes, he screws it up. Don't bring him back. He's not coming back 
to answer your question, Nick Foles, uh, uh, Nick Ferguson, he's not coming back. I'm about to call you Nick Foles. He's not coming back. Not- <laughs> Just call him Nick. Sir Nick Ferguson, yeah, Nick- you know he's royalty on the NFL on Tuesday. Partner, great information as always. Enjoy your day off, and then we're back at it on Tuesday on NFL No Huddle. Hope you and your son, Sire, have a great Christmas. Hey, guys. Merry Christmas, man. Have fun and enjoy it. I'll talk to you on, what, Tuesday? You're listening to NFL No Huddle, the podcast. We'll be right back after this. Long count. Matthews got it. Wants to throw. Looks right. Comes middle. Throws. It is caught. Take five. Take two. Take one. Take end zone. Touchdown, Detroit Lions. Hi, Lions fans. It's me, Tori Petrie. Hey, it's me, Lomas Brown here. We're the hosts of the Tori and Lomas podcast right here on TuneIn. found the angle to the house, and the Lions are right back in it. Tune in on Wednesdays as we break down the Lions' last game and preview the game coming up. We'll see you there. This is NFL No Huddle, the podcast. Here are your hosts, Brian Weber and Cordell Stewart. We continue on NFL No Huddle, the podcast with the intersection of football and physics. It's time for the Playing with Science Checkdown, where science and sports collide. And for that, we're pleased to be joined by Chuck Nice and Dr. Eric Goff. Fellas, happy holidays. Chuck, take it away. Happy holidays to you too, Brian, and uh, we've got a, a bit of a barn burner of a play right now, and I'm sure you got it all teed up for us. I have to lean over to hit play as I do. A reminder, you can catch every new episode of Playing With Science in the entire Star Talk lineup one week early, only on TuneIn. Chuck, take us through the moment of acceleration. Yeah, man, i got to tell you, it actually looked just as exciting as it sounded. And Dr. Eric Goff, I know you've got some serious physics to add to this play. What's going on? Well, I do, and happy holidays to everyone there. So with the ball at the Rams 20, uh, Los Angeles quarterback Jared Goff, no relation to me, took the snap in the shotgun formation and backpedaled to the Rams' 10-yard line before throwing his screen pass to running back Todd Gurley, who caught the ball at the Rams' 15-yard line. So Gurley began his run five yards behind the line of scrimmage. But Gurley was lucky to even get the ball. Titans' strong safety Jonathan Cyprian was blitzing on the play, running at golf with his arms up. I estimate that Cyprian's fingers missed tipping golf's pass by less than four inches. When Gurley began his run at the Rams' 15-yard line, he had blockers in front of him. But what got Gurley to the end zone 10 and a half seconds after he caught Golf's pass was incredible speed. Gurley simply outran all the Titans. Not long after crossing midfield, Gurley hit a maximum speed of almost 22 miles per hour. To put that speed in perspective, at the peak of his sprinting powers, Usain Bolt exceeded 27 miles an hour. But Bolt wasn't wearing pads and a helmet that total almost 20 pounds. So, Chuck, fast-twitching muscles and blinding speed on the part of Todd Gurley allowed Jared Goff to throw a football five yards and get credited for an 80-yard TD pass. Yeah, and that's why you want that guy on your team. Whether it's the Rams or fantasy, it doesn't make a difference. And this guy has really changed the culture because now you can say to your son, be girly when you run, and he'll say, I will, Dad. I will. Now, Chuck, I thought you were going to go hurly-burly girly. Come on, man. <laughs> well, I'm glad you just did, Brian. <laughs> I'm always going to take the low-hanging fruit. Guys, happy holidays. Thanks so much. Looking forward to chatting with you next week in the regular season finale. 
That was the Playing With Science Checkdown. Make sure to check out the Playing With Science podcast with new episodes premiering one week early, all free, only on TuneIn. You're listening to NFL No Huddle, the podcast. We'll be right back after this. Catch all new episodes of some of your favorite podcasts early with TuneIn First Play. With more than 30 First Play podcasts on TuneIn, you can listen to new episodes from some of your favorite shows before they're available anywhere else. Hey there, it's Mike Rowe. This is The Way I Heard It, the only podcast for the curious mind. With a short attention span, we're at episode number 83, incredibly. I'm Jack Hitt. And I'm Chinjirai Kumanyika. This is Uncivil. Where we ransack America's history. And discover that the past is never really past. From the American Museum of Natural History in New York City. And beaming out across all of space and time. This is Star Talk. Where science and pop culture collide. Search First Play Podcasts and listen early, listen often, and listen today. This is NFL No Huddle, the podcast. Here are your hosts, Brian Weber and Cordell Stewart. As we close out NFL No Huddle, the podcast, let's celebrate individual achievement with Nick's picks. You're listening to NFL First and Goal on TuneIn. It's time for Nick's Picks. When the weather outside is frightful, your ground game should be so delightful. If the playoffs are where you want to go, let me score, let me score, let me score. Deion Lewis stands 5'8", but continues to prove that he's a giant. 24 carries, 129 yards, one touchdowns as the Patriots continue to surge late in the season. Twas the night before Christmas when we all took the field. Everyone searching for that playoff-type meal. Who that nation serves up a hot cup of revenge as Drew Brees, along with Santa's little helpers, Kamara and Ingram, go 21 of 28, 239 yards, one touchdown, and one interception. If you're making a list, no need to check it twice, because when we come to town, it's going to be naughty, and that's not nice. Todd Gurley with back-to-back monster games, two if by air, one if by sea, and one if by me, 274 yards of offense and two touchdowns as the NFL playoffs head back to Los Angeles. That is the late edition of Nick's Picks. Thank you for listening to NFL No Huddle, the podcast on iTunes with Brian Weber and Cordell Stewart. Listen live weekdays from 4 p.m. to 7 p.m. Eastern by downloading the TuneIn app and searching NFL No Huddle. The National Football League is on. TuneIn, your everything audio app.